Hello, so I'm back again, um, this time with a, a new friend. His name is John Logue, and we got introduced to each other recently by um, a chap called James Scroggs. So thank you, James. And we just started chatting. We had a lot of common ground, and we are kind of on a similar mission. So hello, and how are you today? Hello, I'm I'm good, thank you. It's uh, it's always interesting. I think when you have a bit more awareness and context of asking the right questions, this is probably a bit of a deeper how I am than asking in the street, which is just the formality, right? How are you? I'm fine. You're not going to go well, but yeah, it's been a good week. Um, I definitely think that um, my awareness of how I feel is intrinsically linked to how well I look after myself. So I'm training for a half marathon. I'm trying to eat a bit better. I'm trying not to drink as much um, in terms of days in a week versus volume. It's not one of those conversations, but um, yeah, good and energized. I think I'm, I, I'm fortunate I don't have to work Friday afternoon. So it's quite an optimistic morning to catch me on a Friday morning with excitement. But yeah, doing good. That's great, John. And do you feel that your weekend starts at midday on a Friday then? Or, and if so, how does that affect the, the sort of days before? Uh, I, I do like a Thursday night. I like a Thursday night. Like, it starts to get that kind <laughs> of feeling. Um, I came from a culture of maybe office work where, you know, Friday afternoon is very much where you do your kind of admin and then i was very fortunate living in australia and they have a massive lunchtime culture of like they have a trolley that comes out in your office to have beers and you know there's a real kind of point of when it starts um but yeah i've got a lot better i've tried to really work on the fact that you know there isn't a gloom on a sunday that it's the end of the weekend like this week I was in London and as much as I was like I'm going to work on Monday and I'm very fortunate I do enjoy what I do for a living I was also going oh that would be quite fun so I think it's it's a mixture of always having something to look forward to but not look forward too much to it because I think as a kid I try and chat to my kids about this like if you're just going oh I can't wait for Christmas it's like we all miss what's happening right now that's super cheesy right but yeah if I can distill that down to weeks as well but I do like a Friday, and occasionally we have a pizza night on a Friday as well, which is pretty great. Sounds brilliant. Absolutely sounds brilliant. I can remember when I first had children, I know you've got young children. Um, I remember going and asking my boss, could I do a, a nine-day fortnight? And all it meant was going in 20 minutes earlier each day to get that Friday off every two weeks. And it made such a difference. Um not just in terms of what I could actually do, but psychologically, it made a huge difference. I just felt freer and it wasn't even something to look forward to. It just became a normal pattern that every two weeks, it was like a little holiday. It was cool. Really cool. I'm really sorry. My three-year-old has just come to join me. I'll be you, down that, a minute, that, that couldn't have happened at a more appropriate time there, John. <laughs> He's got a silly lizard. Are we dancing, Uh There is a thing in Australia, not to make this about some Australian thing, and they call it summer hours. And what summer you do hours. Is, yes, you work an extra half an hour every day, Monday to Thursday, which generates two hours, and you finish at like 
two or three on a Friday with the whole idea that everyone then goes to the beach. Excellent. And I, I'm not saying that like everyone go to the beach in the UK, but it would be the end of the world to kind of go over the summer, right? Everyone can just finish it too. Because again, like it, like what isn't you start half eight instead of nine, for example. And yeah, I think it generates that time, but having the opportunity to generate that time to go and hang out with your kids is like a double bubble. Like yeah. our summer hours probably meant I went to the pub a bit sooner in Australia, but I think, um, yeah, part of my work-life balance was to try and create spaces to do things that were my passions, not that I'm not passionate about work if they're listening, but also just to be able to go and pick up the kids. Like my now on a Tuesday and a Thursday, I will go half an hour early to pick up my son. He finished at half four because he's got like football and I'll try and go for one of my three runs a week then. Excellent. And then suddenly you're going, okay, well, I'm going for, I don't know, like just squeezing those little bits of time around it might seem like a big thing to do, but they're not actually that if you're clever about it. And then it just changes your whole evening. So then you're going, oh, well, I've achieved that run. And running for me, which I'm terrible at, is is much more about that kind of break. And I do spend a lot of time in front of a computer as much as I don't do it, like not all day. But yeah, that little run then energizes me. So yeah being strategic with when you can utilize time around your work is like i wish i'd known it a bit younger in life for sure i think think you're i think you're still young enough john (laughs) oh you're very kind (laughs) no i mean it i definitely mean it i mean uh, clearly you've learned a lot of things to be able to try and structure your, your life in that way um was that something that you just sort of learned as time went on or was it out of necessity or you know what motivated you to kind of try and be strategic in that way oh i think it's it's a mixture of two things there's there's been some fairly important life events which have had me think differently about how i spend time the the whole project of we are hummingbird which i do was inspired by the loss of a friend's suicide which then makes you start to reflect on yourself about being more healthy from a mental health point of view losing a parent or becoming a parent makes you start to think about um how you look after yourself and how you think but then that's forcing you to kind of change that behavior when you then become a uh, intrinsically linked into the mental health world you pick up some tips and tricks and tools and meet amazing people like what what we're doing here. And you go, Oh, that sounds like a good idea. Whether it's meditation or breathing or work-life balance or having the right conversations. So I think when all of that kind of gets put together, um, you kind of get forced into a position where you need to make a change, but then you'll maybe uh, privy to lots of good things that are going to help you with that change. And from my point of view, like, I'm just trying to pass that to my kids as much as possible. So maybe they'll pick up those tools, whether it's gratitude or whether it's breathing or whether it's trying not to think about stuff in the future and think about the now. I don't know. My parents were ever, I don't think it was around back then for them to give it. So you're just trying to push down. But yeah, I think the behaviors that I've learned and the, and the reasons why I do them are great for me, but also if you can pass it down, you just kind of give them a bit of a leg up early. And and I think generally. Yeah, and I think as well, if you if you're truly living in that way, it's almost as if 
they can't help but notice, isn't it? Because this is just how dad is. This is just what dad does. Yeah, and I I, I put a thing on LinkedIn a, a while back. Um, I'm always trying to challenge the conversations. And I talked about the um, uh, my therapist and my physio and said, Eleanor and Mike, if you're listening, guys. And I was like, it's totally fine on LinkedIn to talk about how I broke my ankle and I see Mike because of my hips are aligned and I never do my physio right and I'm a bit old and I played too much hockey. But the fact that I talk about going to see Eleanor is exactly the same thing. She just is a medical expert who helps another part of my body. And I think if you start to challenge those stigmas really early in a workplace, that's great. But actually... I truly believe that my kids will be like, oh, yeah, of course I go and see a therapist, dad. Like in the same way that I go to my dad, of course I go and see a physio. It's just we've evolved as 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 humans to kind of improve it. So hopefully it does go further down that way. And, yeah, if my kids – I want my kids to almost like scoff at me when I go about, oh, well, you know, in my day we didn't do that. And I'm like, well, of course you did that, Wally. It's a bit like how we look at our parents and go, you smoked? I know. <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs> yeah. It is, yeah. It's stark, the difference between each generation, isn't it? Yeah, my my youngest. Unfortunately, not so much my youngest because of lockdown, but my eldest. I've got that the wrong way around. He went to baby sensory and went to baby massage. And then he started to go, whoa, and he has forest school. And you're like, whoa, what's going on? Like, he's got to come out better than me because I didn't have all of that. And I just think there's always going to be that movement forward. But, I, you know, unfortunately, it's not going to be that because although they're going to have better mental health and better understanding of the tools and tips and tricks and, um, and behaviors, that's needed because they've got another – horrible challenge that we didn't have which is about i'm not demonizing i work in marketing but like screens and the um the absolute kind of avoidance of everything being there all the time they need to be a bit more skilled we used to be out go home and shut the door and we wouldn't have to see that person again for another day yeah in, in bullying for example so yeah i think it's all i think it's great that these things are happening i think it's also important but yeah the more that i can kind of pass on of what i've learned to what my kids and also all my mates like a few beers i'll start talking about importance of breathing and gratitude and stuff but maybe every so often someone might pick up something from my uh uh blabbering <laughs> what i've learned well i tell you what's interesting on the on the phone and and the screen front is that and it's also you could say a similar thing with alcohol like my boys are 23 and 19 and um, their behaviour is so different than what I remember at 19 and 23 in terms of how they relate to alcohol. And I think part of that is the fact that they socialise differently because they can socialise online as well. That's probably part of it. But there's a definite problem with that, isn't there? And my younger son has just a while back stopped using a smartphone. And just literally, we bought a... 10 or 20 quid phone and he only told me the other day how much happier he feels as a consequence of not having a smartphone and he could identify it as as black and white as that that's the thing that's changed and at that point moving forward I started to feel better and um, I don't know how common that is I hope it's common but I hear it in people in their 40s and 50s saying that now but I just wonder whether or not 
that generation are actually learning themselves that it's bad for them. Yeah, and, and like in my day job, I'm a an expert in non-alc. Like I work in the non-alc industry, and um, the way that we look at kind of how this category is going to get bigger is that you have got people like myself and potentially yourself who are starting to think more about the alcohol intake they have and just kind of reducing it for a multitude of reasons but then kids are growing up and they're just not interested in alcohol (laughs) because it's not what they want to do it's they don't like the change of the behavior it's not how they socialize they don't like to affect their personal brand and I think that learning that we had with alcohol that they might not need as relevant. They're living in that learning of screens where they probably are starting to educate themselves and going, wait a minute, like, is it great that I'm hunched over watching TikTok for hours when actually there's like a ball to go and kick? And it, you can be very pompous, even at my age, of going, oh, back in my day. Yeah. But you'll never be able to hear that because that's, you know, it's only when you become a father that you understand what your father said, I believe. And like, I think it's great that you're, your son's probably having that epiphany of his life going, well, actually, like, what am I actually losing? Which is not a huge amount. That's really cool, man. Yeah, I I was super pleased to hear it because we were, like, sort of super slow and then have smartphones in the first place, which was always a problem. You know, so it's nice that you come in one end and you've gone out the other, but of their own, making their own decision, basically, to, to try and lessen it. Yeah, it's funny. My wife and I have like kind of a we we tried to keep them away from McDonald's. All due respect to McDonald's, we used to work there when I was a kid. But like we tried to keep them away from McDonald's as much as we could. We tried to keep them away from like um, Nerf guns as, as long as we can because there's like a thing of it'll always happen. And with screens, um, I'm like my, we have a fancy TV and we have Google things around the house and they can use phones. And my wife will be quite upset that they can do it straight away. But also it's kind of going, well, that's their perception of innovation. That's the world they live in. So mm. I think it's great that they learn about it so that they can then be educated. I'm a big believer that kind of schools bring in, in social media training and all that is the right thing to do. Because with anything, whether it's drugs or social media or alcohol or mental health, if you ignore the problem we've yeah. learned, it gets worse. So it's it's one thing of avoiding giving it to them, but it's also just making sure when they do get it, they know what's, how no, to I use think that's it. Right. It's balance, isn't it? And I'm I'm just looking at my little timer here, John, and I, I could literally talk all day about all of this stuff, right? I, I love talking to you. Um, but I'm thinking to myself, is there something that you'd like to perhaps mention that you've learned that you think could be helpful to other people beyond what we've already just sort of chatted about? Is there something specific? And if not, that's fine. I would then say, what's next? Where where are you going next? I completely feel the same. Like we could, we have chatted for ages before, but I think in terms of stuff I've learned, it's just really simple that, you know, try and be open to as many things as you can of, of kind of conversations people are having around mental health because obviously my passion place and whether it is that you're just having a conversation that is in a situation where you have positive mental health at that point or whether you're having a conversation because you might need to have a conversation because you're in a negative stage of your mental health make sure you're doing it at all because i think celebrating mental health um when it's going well is 
if not as important as when you're reaching out to look for support when it's low you know like the the foundation the the nonprofit we have is we are hummingbird and we're very proud that our website is somewhere that people might go when they're having a great day as much as where they go when they're having a bad day and i think sometimes these mental health places are just for when it's a panic and actually you know we should celebrate it at all times which is what we're trying to do i i think that's brilliant and i agree completely it's a bit like I, tend, I used to tend to try and look after myself when I needed to, as opposed to it just being a daily thing. And since I've made it a daily thing, it's kind of made everything better. And, and I, I suppose when you make something only when you need it, you almost put it in a silo, don't you, rather than it being a kind of just, this is just what it is. This is just a universal thing. Yeah, and I think the whole vibe a bit is that if you think about mental health as only being something which is to be talked about when it's, when it's bad mm. you don't want to talk about it do you but if we talk about mental health being a, a spectrum and let's yeah. talk about gratitude and talk about being happy and talk about how to um, celebrate happiness and promote happiness then it means it's a much more inclusive conversation than just like oh wait go and get the mental health box out the garage because we need it like that's that's never going to push uh, the conversations to where we want to have them. No, that's ex- that's exactly it. So, so you mentioned we are hummingbird. Um, obviously, I know a little bit about it, and I know about the different aspects of it. But could you tell us just a little bit about that as well? <laughs> it's summarised in two minutes. <laughs> yeah, um, it is literally two minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's all good. So, we are hummingbird um, was um, a reaction as a group of losing a friend to suicide i couldn't understand why it happened i didn't understand why it might happen i started to educate in my space and realized that where i was finding that education is maybe there's a reason why i hadn't found it it just didn't resonate with me so we created a website which housed all of this information in a really palatable and kind of in a style that made sense to me which is music I thought music was the biggest community in the world, most inclusive one. Everyone likes music within reason. So we created wearehomebird.com, housed all of this information. And then as we got bigger and got more resources, we started to not just repurpose, we started to create our own tools and information. So we have a weekly playlist every Friday where people choose 12 songs. You've done one. And the idea is people will go and see what that playlist is, but they come through our website and through osmosis, they find out not just shortening the gap between realizing you need help and potentially finding where it is, but also we want to make it a celebration so people can go on there and listen to playlists, read books, understand podcasts, see some great music performances, be part of a community in the good times as well as potentially when they might need it. And then physically what we do is we go to festivals and music and we have that website brought to life at our stand so people can come and have a chat about music, why they're feeling good, how they had a great day, or they can come and speak to us about maybe the challenge they have, or really importantly for us, educating themselves on how they might spot that challenge in someone else. So the big project we have this year will be Circle Four, and that's a piece of a tool that will go out, which will talk about the one in four people that need help. So it's a really interesting, concise booklet about stress, anxiety, and and depression, and how you might be able to find support in the right way quickly but when you turn the book over it talks to the three and it talks about stress 
anxiety and depression and how to have the right conversations, how to spot the stress signatures in your friends and, and hopefully make sure that if you're the one, you can find the three. But if you're the three, you'll always be able to support the one. That's great. I love that. I love that. And we, if somebody wanted to know more, is it all on the We Are Hummingbird website or where would they look? So everything is wearehumber.com and then Circle of Four is going to be launched um, at the end, the first day after Mental Health Awareness Week, because we believe it's more than just one week a year. Brilliant. That's, that's superb. And that was, that was uh, you did more than justice to the two minutes there, John. And, uh, <laughs> I'm quite proud of myself there. <laughs> Excellent. And I'm just going to round it up, really, and say that was a brill chat. You can... Obviously, you can hear I'm smiling. <laughs> and uh, thank you very much. That was great. Brill. Don't worry, mate. Have a good Friday. Yeah, and you. That's great, John. Thanks a lot.